Welcome back and thank you very much for sticking around. You're still listening to Facts of Faith. Now we're moving on to our next conversation. This time around, we're talking about our faith today. Religion shapes some of the most controversial decisions that governments need to make. Uh, governments need to make access to abortion, same-sex marriage, the death penalty, and the legal status of sex work. Indeed, it is likely that most voters across the world consider religion to be the essential part to live their lives or the way in which they live. Yet research on religion and political parties remains surprisingly inexact. Not quite sure if that's the case. Much of the research to date has been waylaid by the wrong question. Is a political party fundamentally religious or secular? Yet the essence of a party resists definition. It is, well, it's manifesto, rhetoric, membership, or leadership? Well, which one is it? Joining us to give us some perspective on this and explain what exactly this is all about is David Jeffrey Schwickard. Am I reading that correctly? David Jeffrey Schwickard. Good evening to you and thank you very much for agreeing to talk to us. Hi, good evening and thanks for having me on your show. Uh, David is a PhD candidate of theology and religious studies in King's College in London. Is that the case? King's College London? Yes. King's College London, that's okay. right, and I'm a visiting researcher at Walter Sassuta University. Do tell us what exactly you mean by all of this. I understand you wrote more than that, but explain your point here. Sure. So I think there's something very interesting we can learn when we look at how political parties use religion. But how we often think about political parties and religion is to go, is this a religious party or is this a secular party? And I think with that, we, we miss a lot of the nuance. So, for example, if we if we consider the African National Congress, the ANC, uh, the question of whether or not it is a religious party doesn't seem to be the right question. Uh, from its election manifesto, uh, from the way its party is organized, and so on, it's quite clearly not a religious party in the sense of other religious parties globally. And yet, if you go to an ANC meeting in just about any part of this country, it would be difficult to find a meeting that doesn't start and end with a prayer. And many of the ANC's leaders have been especially devout. And so I think rather than us going, is this a religious party or not, we should look at the kind of strategies that are used by political parties. And the argument I make in, in the article that you're quoting is that the ANC has historically been very successful in combining uh, religious rhetoric, so ways of talking and acting, while still pursuing a uh, secular policy agenda. And that perhaps in a, a country like South Africa, that's a particularly good strategy because we have a very religious electorate. And it's a way of including a very religious electorate in what could otherwise be seen as, as quite a secular state. What exactly is the confusion here? Because it's supposed to be abundantly clear. It's either you're here or there, isn't it? Or are we all okay with people who are chameleon-like? When I'm in the red, I can be the red. When I'm with the greens, I can be with the greens. It sounds as though we're opening a leeway for people to be speaking from both ends of their mouth. So I don't think so insofar as there's a very coherent position to be held in thinking that your personal religious belief and view of morality is one thing, but still not wanting that view necessarily to be imposed on other people. Uh, 
so I don't think it's it's a chameleon position. I don't think it's two faced. I think it's it's a uh, coherent and very defensible approach to how we should structure society. Okay, let's get now to the issue. In, in Israel, Bibi Netanyahu seems to have uh, a supporter that is coming up with a very controversial, and I say controversial in Israel, of course, uh, piece of legislation that suggests that perhaps there should not be anyone permitted from the Christian community who's going to be proselytizing. And I'm wondering, then why? Why do you claim to have these civil liberties to allow people to have a freedom of religion if you're going to have this kind of a le- piece of legislation? What's your take there? So I can't speak very much to the context in Israel, so I'd, I'd, I'd want to know the, the context of that uh, law. But if we think about South Africa, uh, I don't think a law like that would withstand uh, scrutiny. In South Africa, of course, indeed. Yeah. I want to read but just I, I an excerpt. Yeah, I want to read an excerpt here. This is from the Associated Press. It reads, Israel mm-hmm. Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu on Wednesday said he would prevent the passage of a proposal by a powerful ally in his governing coalition to punish Christian proselytizing with jail time. The proposal had raised an uproar with evangelical Christians, one of Israel's strongest and most influential supporters in the United States. The bill was introduced in January by a a pair of ultra-Orthodox Jewish lawmakers, including Moshe Gavni, who heads the Parliament's Finance Committee. It says soliciting someone to convert their faith should be punishable by one year in prison and solicitation to convert a minor would be punishable with a two-year sentence. What do you find is happening here? Do you find that perhaps uh, Israel is slowly, slowly, if it passes, it hasn't passed yet, if it passes, it's slowly, slowly moving towards the, well, grounds of Uganda. Huh, that's interesting. So I'm... I'm cautious with speaking in too much detail with Israel, just because it is such a complicated context, as 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 I'm sure you know. I think uh, Israel's relationship to Christian proselytization has been complicated historically. I think it's 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 struggled as a country to navigate uh, what you've described as civil liberties around uh, freedom of religion and so on, with uh, trying to predict trying to protect what some might seem as a what some might say as a very jewish character to the nation and i think that's a challenge when you try to reconcile secular governance with uh religious nationalism perhaps mm. uh, i think they're very interesting questions there but uh i can only speak confidently on on south africa at, at the best of times in, in, indeed indeed in, in south africa we we don't even have these problems i don't know if it will ever come up but there was a time where there was uh, a, a suggestion that perhaps we might scrap Christmas in South Africa. I'm sure you remember. I'm hoping you remember that time. And there were suggestions that perhaps we must revisit our calendar to scrap all these Christian holidays. Do you find that perhaps that would be something that we do in South Africa? Because that's how it begins, isn't it? With small menial things and then go ahead and say no proselytizing. So I think you would have to do more to show a link between uh, scrapping a state holiday and and banning proselytization. A a particular holiday, not just a state holiday, a Christian holiday like Christmas and Passover. Yeah, which which is an important point, I think, because I don't think what was being discussed was that Christians wouldn't be able to celebrate 
Christmas. Yeah. Uh, I think what was being discussed was whether it would be recognized as the state holiday. And so uh, I think there is a difference with the analogy that you're drawing and yeah. that it's not about what people are able to do in their private time. Uh, it's about what the state participates in. In this context of Israel, they're talking about what people are actually doing in their private time with whomever they oh, choose no, to do it. Oh, no, absolutely. Yes. Yeah, no, no, I agree with that. I'm talking to your point about uh, Christmas. I understand. So my, um, the reason why yeah. I'm um, correlating these two is right now we're talking about Israel suggesting that they just might. They just might say no more proselytizing. Mm. Is this something that should be permitted? So speaking from my uh, personal point of view, I think people should be allowed to proselytize. Um, I think we can ask difficult questions, which I think you've got onto in the meat of your show in previous episodes around proselytizing in public transport, for example, proselytizing in schools. Uh, I think there are difficult questions around there. But um, ultimately, especially if we're talking about proselytizing in private spaces, to me, my personal view is that that seems straightforwardly something that should be protected. The final question, I'll let you go. The issue of minors, because they are mentioning the issue of minors. If, if, you, if you try and convert an adult, it's one year. If you convert a minor, uh, it's two years. Do you find that perhaps minors are regarded as people who are unable to make up their minds as far as their spirituality is concerned? I think minors pose a really difficult question, uh, both theologically and in terms of the law, uh, in terms of what minors are, are able to consent to. I mean, this is this is a, a really knotty question. Um, I, I can't comment on whether there should be stricter uh, rules for proselytizing to minors if I, I, I don't think proselytization should be banned. You, you, and the reason why I'm using this uh, example also is because of what they are talking about there. And the example is when Jesus said, allow the children to come to me and do not prevent them. Secondly, he takes lunch from a boy, particularly pointed out there as a boy. It would appear as though he was in one way or the other trying to influence or at least at the very least trying to convert the little boy or the little children to him? Your response there? I can't really give a response to that. I'm not entirely sure what the question is, but it's probably outside my area of expertise. All right, I'm going to leave it right there. Our time is up. It's 30 minutes after eight. You're listening to Facts of Faith. Thank you very much.